Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using our ministry to impact lives. So if you have a story to share, please email us at impact at jfc.org. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, go to jfc.org and click on the Give tab so that we can keep providing messages just like this one to you every week. We're in our current series, Faith, where we're walking through what it looks like to trust God no matter the circumstances. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jackson Mooney. I go to Rock Canyon High School. So when I was healed, it all started um, with the fact that I have all my life struggled with um, nerve, like tics and spinal uh, cord problems that cause me to have various tics, um, such as randomly shaking my head, uh, blinking too much. And so about two months ago now, I started having really bad headaches. I uh, got sick one time with a fever and that sickness went away but a headache stayed and it stayed persistent for about um, a month or two and I had continued to pray and I had continued to be told trust in God, trust that God's going to take it but I kept hearing something from God. I kept hearing him saying, Jackson, I will take this but you have to learn something from it first and so I was just kind of like what the heck, like, I feel like I've learned all that I can from this. I don't know why else you're doing this. And throughout those two months, um, I also struggle with depression. So throughout those two months, I kind of went to a place, a very dark place, a very um, depressed and anxious place. But it just kind of felt like the world was attacking me. It kind of felt like, you know, I had headaches, I had anxiety, I had depression, all this. And I just felt like there was nothing, there was no way I was going to get better. You know, I still did have my faith. I had my faith in God, but there was also a lot of doubt. I had, you know, friends and family. Everyone had been praying over me, and it just kept feeling like there was, almost like there was something blocking, um, something blocking the healing. Two or three days after the retreat, I um, heard a calling from God, and it was just, Jackson, sit down. So I did, and um, said, Jackson, close your eyes and I want you to focus on me. I want you to call on the power of the Holy Spirit right now. I started seeing all these, these spirits of anxiety, of depression, of pain, and I was able to get rid of all those until I found the one spirit that had been causing me a headache. And I was able to look it dead in the eye and I said, you go back to hell where you belong. It took a couple days uh, for um, God to clear the enemy of, its foot, of his footholds, but had I not, had I not, um, stayed faithful, I would have, I could still be having headaches today. And so I look back on those moments and look how much, how much they've developed me and how much I've grown from those. Hearing God's voice throughout this whole situation definitely gave me a lot of faith. I would say that going through this situation has definitely helped me um, in sharing my faith as well as building other people's faith because of the fact that it's a miracle that I can point to and that I can say that God did this and that God is real and He is faithful. Good morning. Glad that you're here. If you have the notes, we'll jump into the message in just a second. I've got two things. And they're really the best way to say it, they're two invitations. The first one is Israel. And uh, this coming September, Chris and I are taking a group from Jubilee back to Israel. 
And uh, I want to give you a personal invitation. We still have some openings. Normally by this time, trips closed, done, filled out, and we put people on a waiting list. But for whatever, uh, for this year, I've still got about 10 openings left. And I just want to give you a personal invitation. So maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, you weren't here when we first announced it, or maybe you've started attending church since then. Maybe you're just hanging out today and you've always wanted to go to Israel. I want to give you a personal invitation. We'd love for you to go to Israel with us. How would you get the information? When we're done here today, this morning, in the foyer, you heard Jonathan mention the orange wall for visitors. It's also for information pertaining to all of the campuses. So uh, at any one of our campuses today, find the orange wall, and you will find the information on Israel. It'll have what we're doing, um, who we're flying with, where we're staying, what the cost is, the application. All those things are available there. But just one more uh, plea here. Love, love, love. If you're on the fence and you're just like, I, I, you know, I'm praying about it, Pastor. How about this? This is the Lord speaking to you right now. Go to Israel. There. Uh, let that settle it for you. Go out there and get the information and come to Israel with us. And then the other one is an invitation into something that's very uh, private, personal, and at the same time really wonderful, and it has to do with our family. Um, our worship leader, Jay, is my son-in-law, and my daughter, Kate, had their second child uh, last weekend. So let me show you a picture real quick. Yeah. So Milo Aslan Matat, six pounds, four ounces, 19.25 inches. When you look at him, you might think, guy's a little small. So am I. But look at the dynamite that comes in little packages, okay? So... Um, he is he is healthy. Uh, he is doing great. Kate and Jay uh, are doing fine. His big brother um, is enjoying having a little brother now and uh, and just doing good. So uh, Ezra and Milo um, are are the uh, the little grandson. That's number nine for Chris and I now. Number nine grandchild. And for Jay's mom and dad, uh, Andy and Justin, it's number two. And this is a true fact. Uh, there are not two more um, loved and. Uh, Spoiled little boys in the, in the world right there. So um, you'll be seeing him around as he, uh, he gets, used to, gets used to oxygen and air in public. And uh, we'll go from there. So, um, yeah, enough of that. We're just we're thankful for that. Now, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Let's pray. Grab your notes and uh, let me refocus our minds real quick. So, Lord, uh, would you just right now um, do what only you can do? God, this is just simply information. And information's great. Information uh, is really helpful. Information, some people say it's power. Uh, what I believe is that when the Holy Spirit takes it and makes it real to us, it becomes powerful. And therefore, we become powerful. And so, Lord, I just want to ask right now that you would take this and do what you do with it. Anoint it. Break it as bread like it feeds us and it nourishes us. Um, Jesus, cause us to experience you in a greater way today, to know you in a way that we didn't know you before we walked in here. Father... Uh, really, the message is going to go along that line, the necessity of having to experience God. And so, Lord, make that a reality to us. And Jesus, we love you. And we gather together because we want to know more about you. And we just pray that. If you agree, say amen. amen. A few years ago, um, got up in the morning. My routine normally is I get up, and um, first part of my day belongs to the Lord. So I spend that with him. The second part of my day, I might um, spend a little time reading or doing something just for me. And then I get ready, and it's time to go to work. And I'm old-fashioned. I still shave with a blade. And uh, shaving, in my mind, is a necessary evil. Um, I was sort of like stuck in between a generation. The generation before me wore a lot of beards. And the generation after me, my kids in particular, never shave. But somehow my generation, if you didn't shave, 
you were a bum or something like that, right? It was just the way that it was. And I don't think that that's true, but it was kind of the thing that was put on my generation. So you just always shave. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter if you're on vacation. You shave. And one morning I was shaving in the mirror, like many of you do. And I noticed right here on my shoulder it was swollen. Enough where it got my attention. And so I stood back and I looked at it and I thought, man, am I just imagining that? And it was really puffed up. And so I touched it and it was really tender. And I thought, that's not normal. So I called Chris in, and rather than telling her where it was, I said, just look at me and see if anything looks different. She said, your face. No, she said, your shoulder looks really swollen. So I called the doctor. And you know how it works. You call, and usually it's a couple weeks that go by or so before you get in. And I described what was going on and where it was. And the nurse said, can you hold on for just a minute? She came back on, and she said, can you come over right now? So how many of you... Exactly. Sam, we live in the age of the internet. So before I went to the doctor, I went online to find out what it could be. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I've played one many times in my life through the years. And I had it diagnosed in five minutes. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, probably stage three, maybe four. I don't even know if I'm coming back home this afternoon. This is probably it. Let's go to the doctor, and the doctor pokes and feels and prods on it. And he goes, hmm, that is weird. And he says, can you hold on a minute? And he went and made a phone call, and he said, can you go over to the hospital right now and have it looked at? Where would your mind go? How calm would you be? So man, I went from just shaving in the mirror just a couple hours ago to now, this could be pretty serious. I mean, the doctors are upset about it. So I go to the oncology lab, and they actually do a biopsy. They cut me open, and they take pieces of it for pathology. And then here's what they say. It'll be a week before we know. And you know, between that place and the time you hear, yes or no, there's the battle for faith right in that place right there, man. Such a difficult place. Maybe you hear this message and you think to yourself, yeah, I would never be fearful about my health. The devil has a way in each of our lives to poke us with fear. So maybe yours isn't health. Maybe you've never struggled with that. Maybe that's never been your issue. Maybe you've never, ever in your life had one day. Maybe yours is finances, though. Maybe you have trouble with finances and the devil finds a way to put fear in you. Uh, maybe it's a relationship, your marriage. Maybe the enemy's found a way to poke at you with that and you constantly worry about it and you're fearful. Maybe it's your children. Sometimes our children aren't in the places, especially if we're believers, where we want them to be. And then eternity plays in the picture and we can be fearful of that. Not just like godly, like, hey... Lord, do you see this? But like the enemy, like, you need to do something about this. This is really bad. And when we get into that control place rather than that trust place, yes or no, faith is tested right there. It's like that for all of us. There's some place, some way that that thing gets into our lives. Maybe it's fear of loss. Some people experience that with a job. I get it. By the way, I'm not minimizing these things or saying you shouldn't feel that way. I'm just trying to point out that it is a humanity struggle, but as believers, man, we have this place in our life where we come to faith and we know what God says, and yet that's the very battle. It's, God, you said this, and yet here's all the evidence, and it's tough. So maybe it's fear of loss, health, fear of loss, finances, fear of loss, a loved one. Maybe it's the fear of the unknown, like what's going to happen tomorrow. Some people really struggle with that. 
Maybe it's the future, how it's all going to turn out. Am I going to end up all by myself? Now, if you sit here with somebody right now, maybe that's not your worry, but if you're here by yourself, you'd be surprised how many people are fearful of what it's going to look like 10 years from now. Maybe it's fear of outcomes. Maybe you put it all on the line for a business or a relationship. Something that you desperately believe in. And the fear is just there every day of how is this going to turn out. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe you've suffered betrayal in a relationship and you have trouble trusting now and every day it's torment. Not only for you, but for the person you're trying to have a relationship with. Maybe it's rejection that prevents you from success, causes you to be a phony. Fear is a funny deal in our lives. Let me, um, let me do this real quick. When I was studying this week, I, I try to think outside the box, hopefully. And so I know fear always, and even now as I talk about it, I'm putting it in like, you know, there's a consequence, it's a negative. So maybe, maybe fear can also show us something else. Um, fear can show us what we value most in life, to be quite honest with you. I want you to think about that for a minute. Fear really can reveal what we value most. Uh, for example, if you fear losing your marriage, if that's a fearful issue, then it's probably true that you value that relationship above every other relationship that you have. And the downside is that fear. You respect that relationship, but the downside is that you're not wanting to lose it. Uh, if you fear financial problems, you're awful quiet right now. Driving over, I told myself people are going to hear this and they have to really process it, don't push. If you fear financial problems, it's probably true that you value stability and that you respect security and that you might have come from a background that didn't and you promised yourself you'll never live like that again or raise your kids like that or go back to that. That's the positive, but the negative is then you can fear it so bad that it keeps you paralyzed. Fear reveals what I value most. If you fear the future for your kids, it probably means that you love your kids like crazy. So there's an upside to it, but the devil waits right there to trip you up in that issue. So fear reveals what I value most, but then if that's true, here's the other side of that coin. Fear reveals where I struggle the most in trusting God. It can reveal what I value the most, but it can also reveal where I struggle the most, trusting God. Trusting God. If we're stressed out about marriage, then look at me real quick. Here's the truth. You haven't really given your marriage to God. Okay, let me try on this side. I, sometimes I have to find my landing place. If you're struggling with fear in that relationship, the truth is, you're not able to give it fully to God. You keep picking it back up because you think God's not going to, and you must. And it's a tough place to be at. 
By the way, I'm not trying to expose you. I think when I write stuff, I usually write about me. I kind of feel like I process it like everybody else does. If we're stressing about money, then the truth is we have trouble believing God's promises about provision. The Bible's full of God's promises. From the beginning to the end, it's full of his promises. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. That's a promise from God. And if we stress about finance, then the truth is we're having trouble trusting God's promise of provision in our life. And you can be like two people. Like you know in your head that God said that, but the way you act in your life is the opposite of it. Anybody ever done that? Three of us. Wow, that's awesome. You three are going to get a lot out of this today. The message really, the crux of it is talking about trusting God today. That you can trust God, that God is trustworthy. That the greatest thing that could happen for you today is to really learn to trust God, to cast your cares on him, to believe what he said. I wrote this in my notes. Trust is always a relational issue. Trust is a relational issue. Trust is not a demand. If you're married, you know this to be true. Trust takes forever to build and it can break instantly. And what takes so long to build back after it's broken? Trust. And you can't demand to a person, trust me, you have to rebuild it, yes or no. So you got to do it right from the beginning if you want trust to grow. So trust is always a relational issue, but when it comes to God, the reason that we can have this great relationship, the reason we can believe him is that God is trustworthy. God's never made a mistake. God's never gone back on his words. God's never changed his mind. God's never backed up. God's never said, just kidding. God always remains faithful. Isaiah 26. It's probably a fairly familiar scripture if you know the Bible at all. If you don't, just check this out. Uh, it's a promise from God. Isaiah the prophet wrote it like first person speaking about God. So um, you, that's God. God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you and here's why. Because he trusts in you. God keeps the, perfect, the person in perfect peace who learns how to trust him. It's when we don't trust God that we don't have peace in our life. Did you just hear what I said? So if you're struggling today with fear and you don't have peace and it's not working out for you, the root issue, I'm telling you, look at me again. The root issue is right here. It's a trust issue, but you can trust God. You can I'll give you three things then, how to develop trust with God. Um, maybe you'll hear and you'll just go, Pastor, man, you make it so simple, but it's not this, that simple. I get it. It's like I just told that story about me with the deal in my neck. You want me to finish the story, by the way? So I'm like, I left you there, didn't I? And I died five years ago in here. Um, <laughs> it'll be a week before you know. Of course, it sets out on a, you know, the battle for faith. I mean, one minute I'd be really strong, but in the next minute I could be really weak. Uh, one minute I go home, and I know I've got to comfort my wife, so I tell her, hey, everything's going to be all right. But then later that afternoon, I sit her down and have a conversation with how she should spend the insurance money once I'm gone. <laughs> how weird is that? 
<laughs> we were younger then, and I told her, make sure and get married again. Marry somebody that will really love the kids, but put my picture up at their wedding so they remember me. That's what I said. How weird is that, man? It's like one minute I'd be really strong, and then the next minute I'd have like this. And I'd be like a monkey between two. I could jump back and forth instantly. One minute I would be like, God's got this. I'm not worrying about this. I'm going to work, and everything's good. And then the next minute I could be like a crumbling mess over here. It's like the devil would play out a few words. What's going to happen if? And then want me to fill in the blank. What's going to happen if they diagnose it as cancer? What's going to happen if they can't cure it? What's going to happen if your wife is a young widow? What's going to happen if your children don't have you around? I should have answered it by saying, I don't recognize that voice. So leave me alone. That's what I should have said. Sometimes I would, but sometimes I wouldn't. I remember praying. You know, some of the prayers we pray are not prayers of faith, but they're prayers from fear. God can't answer a fear-filled prayer because it's not based in reality. For instance, I'm praying this prayer, God, heal me. I have no diagnosis. God, heal me. And I remember in the middle of it, the Lord said to me these words, I can't heal what isn't sick. Don't you think that would have solved the issue right there? I still struggle. Went to the doctor. Doctor comes out. Good news, all is well. I knew it. <laughs> so afterwards, like point A was where it started and point B is where I ended up. And it looked like a straight line. I made it. The truth of the matter is, how many of you know, if you live long enough, there's never a straight line in your life. You can look backwards and it looks like, it looks like you got through it okay. But the truth of the matter is God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines, doesn't he? I mean, afterwards, you look at it. And you think to yourself, ah, what we want to do is be people who know God's got this. Whatever, it, God's got this, and I'm going to just trust God and walk. going to go straight. That zigzag is such a difficult place. When I talk to you about developing trust with God, I want you to understand. So I would love to be able to stand up here and just go, look, so I've, I've got this now, and I never struggle with this. So just listen to what I'm saying. I, I get what I'm saying right now. I think I'm better at it today. I've walked with God longer. He's come through for me so many more times. He's proved himself faithful in my life over and over again. But when you're struggling with that, I get it. So it's not condemnation. Maybe it's encouragement of how and why and do trust God. So let me just give you these three things, how to develop trust with God. The first one just simply is this. You just got to believe God. I don't know any other way to put that. I can't overdevelop that. I can't understate that. The truth of the matter is, at every point in our life, if you're going to trust God, there is this leap of faith where you just have to believe. Now, some of us sit here and we think in 2017, uh, science has caused such a, uh, a gap between people who can believe and uh, people who won't believe because science has somehow proved that God doesn't exist. The truth of the matter is, people have struggled with the proof, the existence, the belief in God as long as humanity has been on the earth. That's the truth of the matter, because you cannot, if you, if you said to me, point to God, there's the crux, isn't it? He's eternally existent. He doesn't just uh, have a beginning or an end. We, we are finite. He is infinite. We try to describe him in the terms that our mind can get itself around, which is what science does. And yet God exists in multiple levels before there ever was and after there always will be. 
And so we try to put him in this little thing, and God doesn't feel compelled to have to materialize so we can prove there he is. But you can see the existence through what he creates and what he does and how he speaks to our hearts and the lives that he changes. The funny thing is you can have two people look at the same thing and come up with two different conclusions. Some will look at the world and go, nothing but a cosmic accident. A one in 50 quad billion chance. And some will look at it and think God himself cared enough about us to put us in a place so that we'll enjoy it. Isn't that funny how that can happen? So the question of belief, it's not some like, prove it in 20 seconds. It's always been the issue. There's a leap of faith at some level, but we do it every day in every relationship that we have. You don't get into a relationship with a person long-term unless you believe and take a leap of faith that it's going to be good. None of us never know. Marriages end because people made a mistake on that. But they jumped into it believing. It, having faith is not some difficult thing. It really isn't. We all created with the capacity to believe something. Some of us just turn it off. Um, this scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, deals with this very issue right here. Um, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him. So get the picture. If you want to come to God, here's the two things you have to do. If you want to come to God, here's the two things you have to do. You must believe that he exists. You have to take that leap of faith. And the reason you take that leap of faith, the second thing that you do, you come to him because you believe he rewards or that he's good. If you don't believe God's good, you won't ever make the effort to come to him. If you believe he's going to punish you or hurt you, why would you ever come to him? So then my job or my opportunity or what I'm trying to do right now is just simply stand up here and to say to you what God is constantly trying to reveal. Look, man, you've got to take this leap of faith if you're going to come to me. But here's the reason why. I'm good. I love you. I care for you. I have good things for you. You've got to come to me, though, if you want those things. God is trustworthy, and trust is developed first and foremost when you're willing to believe God. At some point, you've got to take that leap of faith, I believe. Now, if you're at a place where you're just like, I kind of believe, but I have a lot of unbelief, uh, there was a guy in the Bible that said that to Jesus. It's an honest statement. I believe, help my unbelief. If you don't believe or you're struggling with belief, at least do this. God, reveal yourself to me then. Can you at least pray that? That's a fair prayer to pray. Show yourself to me. Every healthy relationship requires a leap of faith. There's just no question about it. Any parent in this room has done this at some time. Now, if you're raising little babies right now, maybe you're the exclusion to this. But if you've got toddlers or you've got younger kids, or if you're like me and you've already raised your kids, you'll have these memories. But at some point in your kid's life, you put them on something, you stood back and you said, jump to me, yes or no. Maybe you were in a swimming pool when you did it. You ever do that one right there? And the kid's just like, eh. trust me, come on. Or maybe you put them on a like a ledge like this, and you stood back and you said, jump to me. And then as soon as they get the courage up and they muster it and they leap, you go like this. <laughs> Wham! Got you, sucker! Don't ever trust anybody again. You learned a life lesson, right? And yet we treat God like he would do that to us. Like he can't be trusted to give ourselves to him or to make the leap of faith to him. How good is it when your kid does that for you? 
What's that day like? What does it build? I mean, I can just remember at each place the fear that was in their eyes. If I do this, what will it mean? It will mean you're going to find out that your father is here to catch you. So, dads, let me... I'm not beating up on dads right now, but I need to speak a really strong word. What dads don't realize is how they can enhance a child's opportunity to trust God later on in life or how they can take away from it. When a dad doesn't get intimacy with a kid, it makes it tough for the kid to have intimacy with God later on. When a dad learns... Intimacy, by the way, does not have to be the, some affectionate. Intimacy is just, if you take the leap of faith, I'll be here for you. A father who does what he can to show his kid this is what love is. And this is, a dad doesn't understand there's, there's a supernatural power to what you're doing in your day-to-day parenting. Moms, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm just not talking to moms right now, okay? talking to dads. And when I, listen, here's what I know. This is what I know. When a kid has a father wound in their life, they can be a 53-year-old man, but in space and time, they're stuck where that wound happened in their life, and it hinders their ability to move forward in the things of God. Now, the good news in this is that if your dad didn't, couldn't or won't, the curse can still stop with you because your heavenly father can supersede what your earthly father wouldn't do. I'm a living proof of that. It stopped in my generation. It stopped in my generation. But oh, the struggle that I had trying to find intimacy with God. You can enhance it in a kid's life by showing them how as a father that you love them and you care for them. When they, when they live from your smile, not for your smile, you enhance the ability for a kid to experience intimacy with the Father. And you're grinding it out every day, and I get it. Trust me, I get it. But it matters. And I'm trying to encourage you right now. It matters, and it's never too late. If you're breathing, it's never too late. Sorry. Believe God. I'm going to run out of time. Second one just simply is um, believing God is the first step. It's like the thing that has to, it's the foundation. Like you can't get there any other way. But if you believe God, the next level is then you learn to experience God's love. You experience for yourself God's love. Okay, so look at me real quick. Let me just show you this. Some things... A good teacher can teach you knowledge by definition. I can stand up and give you a definition for love, but love is not to be known by definition. Love is to be experienced, to be understood. Do you, do you get that? It's like, um, I'll give you another one. Like if you've got a car that goes fast and someone's never gone fast, I see, look at people, look at fathers, right? They're looking like, he's talking to you, dad. Uh, so you finally get that car that goes fast and if you were trying to tell somebody what fast is, how would you describe fast? Well, it's like, and it's like, and it's just get in the car and let's go. You would explain it to them by having them experience it, correct? Okay, belief is like 
the definition or the explanation, but the experience of his love, you've got to experience it for yourself to understand it. And here's the shortcoming so many times in churches that we come in and we get around it, but we never get into it. Did you just hear what I said? We're around it, but we never get into it. The intimacy doesn't happen. We don't experience. 1 John 4.18 is really powerful scripture. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out or drives out fear. And look at this, because fear has to do with, what's that word? Punishment. With punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect. The word perfect there is mature. It doesn't mean like, you know, perfection. It's the word mature. So it would actually read this way. There is no fear in love, but mature love drives out fear. Here's what God is saying. If you struggle with fear and you're struggling with doubt and you're struggling with unbelief and these things are driving you, you can't get rid of it by telling yourself not to worry. That doesn't help. It just reinforces the negative. Here's what God is saying. You want to get rid of those things? Here's what you do. Experience my love because the more you experience it, the less room there is for fear in your life. Every day, the more this fills your life, the less it'll drive fear out of your life. Want to get rid of worry? Want to get rid of fear? Want to get rid of the stuff that, that so takes over your life? Here's God's cure for it. My love will so fill your life. So we come to church and we hear this, but are you experiencing that love on a day-to-day basis? You can't give what you don't have. So when a man wants to love a woman, if he doesn't get this kind of love, he can only love her with the love that's in his heart, not this kind of love. A wife can't love her husband unless she experiences this kind of love. A dad can't help a child experience intimacy unless the father experiences intimacy. Dang, this is good preaching, folks, right here. This is, I, I'm just going to move on here. Um, no, it's too late. Uh, three, believe God, experience God. And I'm, t- I just, I'm on a short leash here. Um, three is just simply this. So you believe God, experience God. It could lead to this, and it's a great invitation by God to us. Cast all your cares on God. Sometimes people quote that, and they say it in a trite way. Now just cast your cares on God. Um, First Peter, the Apostle Peter wrote these words. First Peter um, s- s- help me out here. So Peter was a disciple of Jesus, walked with him. What did Peter do for a living before Jesus? He was a fisherman, right? So if you're a fisherman and that's what you did for a living, you would use analogies and words that had to do with fishing, wouldn't you? That would just be the natural thing you would do. So he begins this really powerful verse with the word cast. Fishermen cast, don't they? They cast. So he uses a word picture to describe how God wants to take our anxieties from us. So cast all your cares. Here's the word or the definition for cares. Anxieties, worries, concerns, once and for all on God. And here's why. Because God cares about you with deepest affection and he watches over you very carefully. Here's what the Bible says. A bird doesn't fall out of the sky that God doesn't know about. And then it makes this comparison. If God knows about those things, how much more does he know about what you need before you even ask him? So let me give you the word picture here. We live 2017, and if I said to you, cast, you would think fishing pole cast like this. 
But that's not what they had then. This is a great reason to go to Israel with me because I'll take you to the Sea of Galilee on a boat to the middle of the lake. We'll stop the boat and I'll demonstrate when they let down the net what it looked like. I just gave you a definition, but this is to be experienced, to be understood. Come to Israel with me. So you stand on the boat and it's a huge round net and they gather it all up and then they twist with all their might and they throw it. You ever seen them do that? You ever seen a picture of how that looks? It just spreads out suddenly and it falls into the sea and it disappears. So he's trying to give us a word picture here of what we're supposed to do with anxiety, worry, and care. Here's what He said, don't become so heavy with it that you just end up dropping it. That's not the word. He said, the minute anything comes in your life that wants to take you away from God, gather it up and throw it as far as you can away from yourself to God. How many times a day would you cast a net? As many times as you have to. If you've got to do it 20 times, do it 20 times a day. I don't, I, maybe you have to do it 100 times a day, but the whole word picture here is gather it all up, man, and just fling it as far from your life as you can get it. Here's what God's trying to say. You can't handle it, and he can. And because he cares for you, he wants to. And you can trust God. You can trust God. And we've got an opportunity right now to trust God. So pray with me. So Lord, we love you. And Father, we want to just act on the things that the word says. We don't want to just be um, hearers, but we want to be doers. We don't want to just become smarter. We want to be more competent. We don't want just our brains to be chock full. We want our lives to mirror what the scriptures say. We want to have the promises of God in our life. Folks, I listed a few things at the very beginning that are like common worries that we deal with. Things like relationships, children, health and finances, business. Maybe it's a parent, a grandchild. house payment, the future, loneliness. I'm not quite sure. Maybe I can't even put my finger on it. But maybe right now you could just see that thing that brings such anxiety to you and just drives you and pushes you and pulls at you that really is killing you. It's robbing your life. It's stealing your joy. It's turning you into the worst version of yourself you can be. Maybe you could see yourself gather that thing up right now and have enough courage to cast it to God. Somewhere between the promise of God saying, I care about you and you can trust me, our desire to do it, and then our need for control. We try to live our lives. God invites you right now to trust him with control. So maybe there's just two things. Maybe you're struggling with belief, so the whole idea of letting God be in control, you're just not there yet. Okay? Can you pray 
God, reveal yourself to me. God, help me. God, teach me. God, show me. And maybe you walk in here this weekend and you're like, right time, right place. I'm ready to cast it all on God. I want you to see yourself literally gather it up in your arms. Throw it, not away, to him. I'm not saying throw caution to the wind. Ignore it. I'm saying give it to the one who can actually do something with it. To the one who knows what's best. To the one who knows what you need. May the Holy Spirit right now help you to be able to trust. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.